Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Game of Loans podcast with me, Sam. And today we've got another live stream from our Grand Union Finance Family Facebook group, our exclusive Facebook group, just for Grand Union Finance clients. And I'm joined by the property tax queen herself, none other than Amy Richardson. So whether you are a brand new investor and you're looking for some advice or some ideas on how you might want to structure your property business, or whether you're an existing investor and you're looking for some tips on how to be a little bit more tax efficient, this episode is for you. So get a pen and a pad ready because I think you're definitely going to need it. This podcast is in association with Grand Union Finance, the property investor's broker. So whatever finance products you're looking to help you in your property investment journey, we can help you, whether that's mortgages, with it buy to let, HMO, service accommodation, social housing, commercial, or of course, bridging and development finance. We are the brokerage for you. Anyway, hope you enjoy the episode. See you soon. There we go. Right, we're live. We're live. Um, hello, everybody. Um, let me introduce you to a very good friend of mine, Miss Amy Richardson. How you doing, Amy? Um, welcome, welcome to the the finance family group. Um, so, Amy and I have known each other for quite some time. We're, I'd say, we're pretty good mates, aren't we? And um, so, of course, I said, Amy, we've got this new group, and um, let's. T- I'd, I'd like to uh, put some taxing questions in your direction. Ha ha. But- Hilarious. I bet you. I bet you've never heard that one before, have you? <laughs> Not for <laughs> <I've>, a while. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry for that one. But um, look, for those that um, have been living under a rock and, and don't know who you are, did you want to give us a, a quick overview of, of, of who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Amy Richardson. I am the owner and founder of Flow X Advisory. But most of you will probably know me as the property tax queen. Um, so I'm known for tax planning, tax strategies, everything to do with property and tax. I am your girl. We genuinely have royalty today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I am, um, I mean, I, I reckon even when I do sort of my lives on like my Monday mortgage mail and when I do, um, when I just sort of ask questions on socials and stuff, it's incredible how many of those questions end up actually being tax questions. Um, mm. Like I got, again, the, the, one, the one I get all the time is about like, how, how do you um, transfer a property that's owned in, in personal name into um, into limited company name? And I have to explain that it's a sale and purchase transaction. There are tax implications, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I get questions about tax all the time. So it wasn't it, it wasn't too dif- more difficult a decision to be like, right, <laughs> just get Amy to come on um, and, yeah. and talk tax. But that might be a good place to start because um, I can probably regurgitate a few of these questions. If, you, if anyone's watching and you do have any questions, by the way, just drop them below. And, and if you can put your name next to the question as well, that'd be awesome because Facebook doesn't allow us to see who the actual question's from. Um, I don't know why that is, but it's probably some sort of data protection thing. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess we'll, 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 we'll chat, but I can certainly, as I said, regurgitate some of these questions. Should we start with that one? Because that's been a big one for a while, hasn't it? The, the movement of ownership of a of a property from personal ownership to limited company. And am I right in the in the advice in inverted commas? We can't say can't say that it's advice because I'm not qualified, but it's the, you know it's a sale and purchase transaction, isn't it? It is, and there are many misconceptions when it comes to transferring properties tax-free. So when we refer to tax-free, what we're actually saying is we don't want to pay any capital gains tax on that transfer, and we don't want to pay any stamp duty on that transfer. 
because the majority of landlords that this affects are landlords that have had properties for years and years and years in their personal names. Uh, and they might hold them jointly with family or, you know, their wives, their husbands, etc. Um, and these people now are really getting hit hard by Section 24 tax. And effectively, that was the change in tax legislation that affected landlords massively. Um, and it's in full swing now. Um, and people are, are really starting to see the pains of Section 24. So this idea of actually transferring the properties into a limited company, by the way, that's where the the, uh, the properties would end up after doing this. Um, the idea of doing that is attractive because whilst having properties in your own name, you only get a 20% uh, tax credit on the mortgage interest costs. So let's say the mortgage costs were 10 grand a year. On your tax return, you would only get 20% of that, so £2,000 actually allowable against your taxable profits, which is really rubbish. And that's why the effective rate of tax is really, really high, especially for landlords who have lots of properties and they are in the higher rate tax bracket. So that's why now you'll see a lot of people just going straight for limited companies from the off. But again, that's not necessarily always the right answer because you have to look at everyone's circumstances and decide whether that's that's the right structure for them. However, um, getting properties into a limited company is entirely possible tax-free, but there are certain criterias, like anything in tax, there's a load of rules and legislation and tax law that we have to compare someone's, um, you know, their, their case against. So for example, if you had somebody who is a, a landlord full-time, and let's say they have six properties, they're all in, in their own name, um, they own them with, with their wife and they they are looking to transfer those into a limited company, they could potentially do that tax-free um, because they've got more than, say, four properties, um, which makes it more of a, a viable case towards HMRC, although you can't get statutory clearance on this anymore, but that's kind of by the by. Um, so they've got enough properties to kind of constitute a business, and, and that, that really is the key. Is there a business there? And the case law that we would look at in this situation is, is the Ramsey rules. So we'd say, well, you know, how often are you working in the business? Um, are there business plans? How long has the business been going, etc.? cetera? Um, the type of properties, how long you've had the properties, all, all these kind of things are taken into consideration. Now, in order to actually pay no stamp duty, there is an like, interim step. So what you would want to look at doing is setting up an LLP. Uh, an LLP is a limited liability partnership. And effectively, what you would do is you would transfer those properties into the LLP, um, wait a couple of years, potentially, um, because if you do it straight away, uh, i.e. from the LLP straight into the limited company, um, you could be seen as doing tax avoidance. So the LLP has to be there for commercial reasons. It has to be there for business reasons. It can't be there, sat there for tax avoidance reasons. Um, so let's say you put the properties in, you wait a few years, and then you transfer the properties out of the LLP into limited company. You can do that without paying capital gains tax because of incorporation relief. And you don't pay any stamp duty because of the special rules when it comes to stamp duty and partnerships, so partnerships as business and LLP. So that's one way to completely eradicate that tax bill. 
Um, but it's very, very hot uh, on HMRC's radar. And often, if, if cases are complex, I will actually get a tax barrister involved as well, um, just to take a view on, on that situation. So if it's quite a high, high profile play, uh, case, sorry, then uh, I would get a second opinion on that, just because there's a lot at stake. Um, and if you get it wrong, then HMRC are gonna come back uh, and it's gonna come back to bite you. You can still transfer properties to a limited company without having an LLP. So you can still use this incorporation relief. So if you have properties that you've had for years and years, then you could still transfer them in using incorporation relief as long as you um, come, come into all these rules and that you satisfy the rules, but you'll still have to pay stamp duty at the higher rate. However, when you compare that with the tax saving of not paying the capital gains tax and having the properties within the limited company from a cost benefit analysis, it probably would still make sense to do that. But obviously, everyone's circumstances are different. Uh, but that is a common misconception. People just think you can't just transfer it straight out of your name into the limited company. Some people are aware of the LLP route, so they just go straight to that. But it's not necessarily the case. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, forces for yeah. courses. I've, I've, I mean, I've done loads over the years, like refinancing to raise funds to pay the stamp duty to move move the properties yeah. and i mean all, all of those people have i mean some of them probably have actually spoken to you amy um but they've they've all they've all seen the benefit of it i think a lot of people what they what they look at is they go oh, like I'm, i've been paying down my mortgage or whatever or oh it's, just, it's a bill you know it's a large amount of money and they see it as like a it's it's annoying because they it's a it's a large amount of money that suddenly they've, they've got to pay for that they didn't envisage they're gonna to have to pay for but for me it's always about like not looking at what's happening now it's about what changes you can make to affect your future you know income more tax efficient and mm -hmm. you know when you like you said if you if you're paying this now it puts you into a potentially a better position to make you more tax efficient forever you know, for the yeah. for the rest of your life whilst you're holding these assets. And that for me is usually a playoff that's worth at least checking into and at least looking into. Like you said, it's not going to be for absolutely everyone, but you know, I I'd probably say 90% of all my clients own property in limited company or invested property in limited company. I'd like to think most of those at least got a, you know, maybe not, you know, property tax queen level advice, but um certainly decent enough advice. Um and that is you know, it's hard, isn't it? As both of us obviously are regulated as advisors, so we can't use the word advice when talking about general things. But the vast majority I'm finding nowadays, it does make more sense to to, to do it that way. And particularly if, you know, as we know, property is a long-term strategy. You want to get things, you might have to pay to get things done right now because it then has the implications for, you know, for, for years and years and years to come. Um, and, you know, particularly more recently, I think as well, and I don't know if you're, seeing this as a kind of a, a gray area between what, what you and I do um, is a, or a crossover, sorry, between what you and I do. But obviously with interest rates going up higher um, over the last 12, 18 months or so, for those that are in, uh, have their property ownership in, in personal name, that's having even an, an even greater impact, isn't it really? Because yeah, I think it's making yeah. it even more important to get this kind of advice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've literally had people come to me within January when they've had their tax bill from their current accountant and 
they they're like I need to sort this out now because they they don't realize until they get to that point where the tax return has been calculated and they've got x amount of tax to pay that's when it's painful and that's when it's a problem so the earlier you can look at these things the better um and if it's not right for you that's fine you know there's other workarounds as well when it comes to mitigating section 24 tax um and one that i often talk about is the use of a management company so if you're a landlord and you self-manage your properties then effectively what you could do potentially is set up your own management company and that management company acts as a a management company like an estate agent so they'll collect the rent and then they will charge out that management fee to the landlord which obviously happens to be yourself um or you know whoever's ownership of that property and that will allow you to reduce a tax bill but again with that you have to have the right paperwork in place it has to has to be seen as a commercial entity if you have other properties that you manage as well that are not your own that's a better basis um, to start the business off rather than um, only ever just looking after a couple of properties that that may be looked upon from, from a HMRC point of view but that's a good strategy it doesn't really cost you a lot to set up um, and yeah you can effectively charge market rate uh, management fees and reduce your tax bill quite quickly yeah I so I mean look there's obviously you've got the great tax efficiency implications there of doing something like that taking it on you i mean how often do you and i share voice notes and stuff just talking about our businesses and stuff like that so this is actually quite a nice little segue to talk about that because i think that um i've got lots of clients who maybe started off in things like rent to rent and they've effectively created like a, a property management company and i just think property property in, uh, investors in general seem to be more successful in a shorter period of time when they have something that's generating money for themselves that effectively feeds their um their property business and this this actually will come back to a tax question um but just talking of it purely from a business point of view i like that setup i like the fact mm. that you can have a business that creates money that can buy that the profits of which can then go and buy property and i think that I mean, I've got loads of clients that do, do have done exactly what you've said um, for the reasons that you've said, but because they've been so successful in creating a business, so they might have actually employed people, all that kind of stuff in that property management company, they can actually then take out, like taking outside um, landlords, they can actually run as a business that generates them more income. So not only is that property management company actually tax efficient, but it helps them manage their portfolio better because they might actually employ people to do a lot of the stuff for them, but they can actually generate income that helps make, you know, grow, actually grow their portfolio as well. So all those things together, I must, I'm, I have to say that by going through that process that you've just said, that will have a, a lending implication. There are some lenders out there that don't like it. Um, so they might only take the net income that you're generating after the management fees for rental calculator purposes but they're they're too few and far between really to to not consider something like that i think it's a it's a really good idea um we're talking about company ownership spvs that kind of stuff company structures i get asked about company structures all the time and the term holding company comes up a lot i'm sure you deal with this every single day yeah. is there 
And I know, I know the answer is going to be no, but I suppose I have to ask the question so that it leads us on to discussing this. But is there a one size fits all perfect structure of when you have multiple companies that are incorporating probably the wrong use of that word, but, you know, involving an SPV or several SPVs to hold assets when we talk about holding companies, trading companies, SPVs all working together. Is there a bit of a one size fits all kind of perfect way of doing it? Or is it very, very much down to the individual? Um, I'm going to say yes and no. So the one size fits all would be some form of a group structure. But how that actually looks and the intricacies of it, i.e., is it actually a family investment company? Do we have to put special shares in there? Like, you know, do we have to consider inheritance tax because of the age of the clients, blah, blah, blah. That is the specific, I can't even say it, specific, I can't say, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, that, that side of it makes it complicated and that's what makes it uh, into a personalised tax advice piece for me that I would have to do for a client because let's say, for example, we have, a client that's 25 30 been doing rent to rent really successful it's a cash flowing business um and they now want to invest in property then maybe they want to do hmos commercial conversions whatever then yes a group structure would be perfect for, for that type of client and potentially at that point you wouldn't have to consider inheritance tax too much so there wouldn't be any immediate need to set up different share classes and, and have subgroups and things like that. However, if you take a client potentially in the 50s, even 60s, they've built up a successful business, they already have property, they've got children, perhaps even grandchildren, then yes, a group structure is still the answer to recycling those profits and those investments, but actually inheritance tax becomes the height of the tax issue. So that's the problem. And therefore, that structure would look different because we'd have to do a different type of planning because of the circumstances of that client. So I think group structures are, are, are very good in terms of a tax planning general. If you have a group structure and it's done properly, you're going to be doing better and have more profits to reinvest than somebody who didn't have one. Well, actually, uh, making that as tax efficient as possible for you that would be dependent on your circumstances um, and what i think people need to remember is that all of those large corporates out there they all have this structure so it's a very common structure has been used for years and years and years and it's a way of not only saving tax but mitigating risk because um, one of the things that i see a lot is you have someone who's got a couple of vitalettes and they may even have those in their trading company, which could be completely not even property related. So if something ever went wrong with that trading company, those assets that they've worked hard for, they are at risk of being lost. So, yes, from a tax perspective, but please also consider risk and asset protection as well. Yeah, I um, I love that. The I was as you were saying things there, I was, I was kind of thinking about it in terms of actually what it visualizes as and you know you've got your trading entity over here you've got your spb over here you've got your holding company running across the top and i know obviously funds effectively can kind of be 
moved. I don't know what the whether there's a technical term, um, transferred, moved, whatever it might be. How does that actually work in in reality? You know, you make money in the trading company and you need to get it to the SPV in order to buy a property. How does that how does that actually end up working? Yeah. So the technical term and how to do this is you would pay a dividend from the trading company. So the, the, the company that's making all the cash flow and the profit, let's say that's £100,000. So you vote a dividend and pay that dividend up into the holding company. Now, by doing that, you pay zero tax. So obviously, that's a massive benefit because if you've kept the shareholding in your name, you'd be paying 33.75% and even higher tax on that. So it wouldn't be 100 grand, it'd be more like 60, 65, whatever it is. So the money's now in the holding company. So that holding company has got a couple of options. It can decide to vote a further dividend to its shareholders, which would be um, yourself. And obviously you would pay income tax on that distribution. So if that's what you want to do, then a group structure won't allow you to save tax that way because ultimately the end person is still you. But if you are a property investor that wants to constantly reinvest in more property, commercial property, even other businesses, then what would happen is that £100,000 stays in the holding company until you decide to loan it into an SPV, um, also known as a limited company, by the way. It's just uh, a special purpose vehicle Um yeah, so it's set up for, for one purpose only, i.e. a development. So that 100K then could be distributed as, as and how you wish between those limited companies which sit beneath that holding company. So does that mean then that the that SPV then makes money? Would that be would the best thing then for that those funds to kind of almost be paid back to the holding company and distributed? Or do you find that most of your clients will kind of themselves a salary or pay themselves dividends then direct from that spv if they want to they want to pull pull cash out of it how do, how do you see that most people end up doing that well it's a hard question to answer because everyone's different and got different goals mm. let's say if someone's goal was to get 10 buy to let properties they may have a property investment spv and choose to keep the dividends or the reserves, the cash flow within that SPV and keep recycling it round. However, if that person then decided, I want to go and buy a business completely unrelated to property and the need cash to do it, then they would vote a dividend back from the SPV to the holding company and then go into the new company that they acquire, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's really dependent on, on the client. But when it comes to salaries, salaries really should be paid out of the cash flowing companies and the reason for that is because they're the ones that are making the most money they're making the most profit so they would be subject to the you know the most corporation tax within the group so when you're paying salaries out it would be better to do that from a trading company perspective uh, just as I, an FYI. <laughs> do, do you know what? I, most of the most of the times when I'm asking these questions, I'm kind of thinking of myself as somebody that might be watching this and what kind of questions would they ask? I, I Not I know the answers to these. I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but you and I have certainly had enough conversations for me to understand things. I see what other what my, my clients are doing and obviously they're very creative. Um, but I've never thought of it in those terms before. I've never thought, oh yeah, 
but of course you should pay your salary out of your trading business like that makes perfect sense now that you said that um there you go i've learned something <laughs> out of tonight thanks mate <laughs> simple um, but effective um yeah. yeah when when it comes to corporation tax and groups of companies what what you can do let's say for whatever reason you have a company within the group that's loss making so it's making trading losses for whatever reason you can then offset that loss against the other profits within the group using group relief and pay less corporation tax whereas if you weren't in a group i.e there were two separate legal entities two separate limited companies then you couldn't do that the only option you would have is to carry forward those losses and then if that business never recovers those losses are lost so you're missing out on a tax saving there so yeah there's lots and lots of different reasons to have a group structure another one i was literally speaking to a client uh, today about is jv's so people go to jv's set up an spv set up a limited company then they come to me and they're like oh it's for a check that we've done it right and xyz and actually like nine times out of ten they've done it wrong because or not wrong that it could be improved so they'll just set it up uh let's say there's four people in the jv and they've all got 25 percent each whereas actually what could have happened is let's say my clients are husband and wife they've gone to jv with another couple my clients could have just done a 50 percent share to their holding company so when the jv deal is done and the profit is made that gets paid again tax-free to their holding company and then they decide how they want to distribute that profit further whereas if they left it in the normal limited company when that spv is like done and dusted the profits are ready to be distributed again they're going to go out to the the uh, shareholders in their personal names and attract that really high tax bracket so you know, if you're doing a flip, you make 100k and you get 50k each. That 50k is it could be wiped out by tax. So it's really, that's, really important to get that that's advice. Really, that's such a good point. So and I, I say this all the time. I mean, the amount of times I'll, I'll be talking to a client and they're very, very early in the process. Um, it's actually it's actually amazing how many people I would speak to on a weekly basis where we actually don't talk a lot about property finance, which is obviously what they've come to me to talk about i'm talking about everything else um and i'll and i'll say to them you know get your ducks in a row speak to somebody about every part of what you're doing first you know don't don't go out and try and diy it um thinking you know best because you know as, as i'm sure you know more than more than most then having to the envelope of that is actual i think that the proper terminology and restructure yeah. it, it that then a incurs additional costs because they're going to pay you money to do it um but just it's just it's just a waste of time isn't it really so i'm you know I'm, i know that it's, it's it's easy to say it but also always try and get this advice as early in the process as possible to make sure you do things right first time around right yeah and not only advisory fee so a tax advisor fee a solicitor fee extra tax charges because let's say you decide you want to set up a group structure x amount of years down the line and you've got valuable properties you know you've built, built portfolios in the company you've got another company that maybe does management that's worth some money as well hmrc want their stamp duty on the shares so you know and if we're having, having to de-envelope properties and restructure again that can trigger off tax charges so 
it is really important to to get your structure right from the beginning but but as a broad brush if you're in some kind of group structure and it's being done correctly then you will be miles ahead um, of the people that haven't I actually spoke to somebody this week who is very very successful in property and they do not have a group structure in place so I'm going to work on putting that together um, and the tax savings for that client will be huge so but there will be a big cost to implement it and, and get the right advice in the legals however they're still going to make a massive tax saving um but if he had done that say 10 years ago then the compound gains that he would have right now would be crazy yeah, so, yeah. And, I, and i guess the two two things on that which is number one um and i think i sort of said it towards the beginning is i work with a lot of people where they do need to raise this this cash and not every reason for raising capital through a refinance is acceptable to lenders but doing it to restructure and pay you know pay for advice and things like that is deemed um an acceptable reason by 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 many um and uh and and also it kind of then brings me on as well to things that are tax deductible within a limited company because um you know advice um bills and, and fees and whatnot i i i believe fit the bill right as well so so your are your fees and my fees tax deductible i don't i don't know if i've ever actually asked you this question before no i don't think you have um it's an interesting one the answer of course is it depends <laughs> <laughs> so some some fees are some fees aren't so if it's a genuine restructure for that limited company that already exists is already in operation then yes for example that's perfectly fine however if it's advisory fees for i don't know let's say a property investor has a capital gains tax issue um, and they pay for it out of their limited company but it's a capital gains tax issue that's a property that's in their personal name um, then in theory that would be added back and, and the tax would need to be paid on it so there's very you know majority of fees are tax deductible but some of them aren't um, and they would get added back in the tax comp as we call it tax computation when you have your year-end accounts done um, or at least it should be uh, and, and effectively that wouldn't be tax deductible but anything like mortgage arrangement fees uh, you know broker fees etc they are tax deductible and they are allowed to come off um, the profits uh, as a landlord so that's what we want fine. that's what we want to hear broker fees are tax deductible that, is, <laughs> that, that, that has that has got instagram reel written all over it <laughs> i've already um, done one <laughs> have you oh well yeah. I should, tag you need to tag me in these things i'll be sharing them about um on 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 that um there are loads of things that i i suppose this comes again it's back talking about sort of business stuff and i always say to, to my clients look obviously number one i'm not giving you any tax advice but i do say to them look don't just think about group structures spvs limited companies all this kind of good stuff just purely in a linear way and like a one-dimensional thing of um you know will i pay less tax when it comes to property there are so many other benefits you know in terms of what you can do as a uh, as a business owner um you know one one example that we use quite a lot sorry my cat's decided that now's the time she wants to burrow into my 
into my gut. Um, one of the things that we uh, we talk about a lot is the fact that a lot of people are paying like their own their life insurance policies in their own personal name, but actually they could change that and make them like key man insurance or relevant life covered that are actually That's business it. insurance policies. So that becomes a pre-tax yeah. expense rather than a post-tax expense. I'm sure there are loads of other things that, that can be done like that where normally they would come out of your, your personal bank account, but actually we can switch them around to come out of your, your business bank account. What, what are the kind of the what are the what are the main ones that people people do? And maybe what are the what are the surprising ones that some of the people miss? I actually love this because aside from tax, I have always loved budgeting cash flow forecasts. So when a client says to me, can you work out the profit extraction method? I always take it one step further and say to them, well, let's look at your personal finance situation. How much do you want to take home? And actually out of your personal finances, how much of those overheads can we put through the business effectively because some of them would be dual purpose now it, i'll have to watch what i'm saying because we are live but um <laughs> in, ter in terms of putting through things putting things through the business there is a general rule um so there's not like one big list of everything you can claim it's just a general rule from hmrd uh, that the business expense has to be wholly and exclusively for business purposes so an example of this might be Spotify, for, you know, um, you're paying £10 a month in your personal name, but all you ever do is listen to Sam Norris's podcast or, you know, somebody somebody else in, in the business world. Why would world. you not? Why would you not? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's an example of something you could potentially put through. Um, uh, gym memberships. So let's say... Uh, you like the occasional spa day, so you decide to sign up to a really nice spa gym, but it's going to cost you 150 quid a month. You could put that through the business. However, there are like further tax implications to that. You'd have to pay a benefit in kind tax charge on it, um, but it's kind of you know it's not going to be too much. So it's you're still going to be better off putting it through the business. So that's that's a good one that people don't really think about, um, and and that's one that I've advised people on before um so with that, so that be so anything that could potentially be deemed a benefit in kind so anything that could be so if you were an employee of a business that business could offer you as a as a benefit essentially to to work for them so anything that might is that a good way of kind of compartmentalizing those things yeah so if you think like private health care if you so grand union finance if they decided to to have a plan for their employees then that that would be a benefit in kind um on the employee and then obviously the employer has their responsibilities as well so things like that you can put through um also the relevant life so it's very important that it has to be relevant life and it has to be written in trust for it all to work um, but I've done that for a couple of clients as well. So they have that going through the business. Another one I get asked about a lot is cars. So me, can I ask you about this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, on, so, on, some, on Sundays at like, you know, nine o'clock in the evening. <laughs> oh God, here he is again with the Tesla. Um, so yeah, you can put through, uh, you know, 
let's say you have an electric car right now in your personal name that you lease, you could effectively have a company car and we'll, we'll say it's electric um, just to keep things simple. Um, and that would be a tax deductible expense in the business. So for corporation tax purposes, you can claim back half of that on the, the lease as well. If you are VAT registered, you might not be if you're, well, you won't be if you're a landlord because you're exempt. But, you know, if you've got trading business, <coughs> again, any expenses like this, you want it to go through this trading business. So you want to get that corporation tax bill down. But that's a popular one. Again, there will be a little bit of benefit in kind to pay, um, usually around 2% now, which and it will go up. Um, and I'm sure the government will put it up even more in the future. But if you have a car and it's electric, put it through the business, it will save you personal finance finances and, and also from a from a business perspective it will save you tax as well and um, there are other little odds and sods little things that we can do so there's things called trivial benefits so for example anything under 50 pounds um let's say it's an amazon voucher uh, that would be tax deductible so you could buy that through the business um and that would come off your corporation tax bill at the end of the year also like company events so christmas or summer barbecue anything like that um you're allowed i think it's 150 pound uh, per employee um per year so that's that's another good one to put through so all these little things add up um and the aim really by the end of this is to reduce your personal um outgoings and also at the same time reduce the corporation tax that you pay Therefore, you know, you're increasing potentially what you say from a personal perspective. That's more that could go to personal investments. So ISAs, you know, if you're into stocks, shares, alternatives to, to property, basically, those extra funds could could go towards um, towards those kind of investments. So it definitely all helps. Do you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because this was something um, I was actually asked by a client not that long ago. Um, again, I don't know why I get so many of my clients getting on phone calls to me and asking me tax questions. Um, maybe I'm not marketing, marketing myself correctly and they think I'm a tax advisor. I don't know. But um, I had someone recently ask me about um, to going back to group structures and they said, well, you know, what I don't really want to be doing is I don't want to pay myself loads of money, but I'm interested in invest investing in more things other than just property. So um, he was talking about crypto, but he was also talking about stocks and what and things like that. And I said to him, and I'm, <laughs> I'm probably completely wrong. I said, probably worth speaking to Amy, which is exactly what I did say to him. Um, but I said, I'm, I'm sure there's a way that because you can generally set up corporate accounts with a lot of these investment companies i know for example hargreaves lands down if you wanted to invest in stocks and shares and stuff like that um they have mm -hmm. corporate accounts they're not easy to set up i know someone that works there and i know they're not easy to set up um coinbase i think if you want to invest in crypto you can actually have a corporate account with that um is it is it as easy as i've just made it out to be that if for example you did have that group structure and you did want to set up a company that was for investing in non tangible assets like um a property um that they could set up these kind of accounts and you could effectively move money from a trading entity to that company in a very similar way that you you uh, move money to an spv so you basically don't have to take it as a personal expense that's uh, um, personal income yes so that element is fine so getting the money into that entity tax-free is the same method right dividend up to the hold curve 
back down into the SPV. This SPV buys crypto, whatever, whatever it's buying, whatever it's investing in, gold, ETFs, whatever. The problemo comes when you sell those assets or you want to liquidate those assets because effectively they're trapped within a corporate entity. So you're not going to pay capital gains tax, but you're going to pay corporation tax on the chargeable gain of those. Um, and again, like distribu distributing that out uh, can also be problematic. So you need to look at the wider picture because if you held those investments in your own name, they potentially have different um, tax advantages, which you wouldn't have available to you if they were within a company. So it would just depend on what you wanted to buy um, and what the purpose of wanting to buy that within a um, within a limited company was as well. Yeah, Joe, you know, num well, I was going to say number one that's that's really useful and i think there's a lot of people that will, will watch this back and will probably be thinking the same same thing like how how does this all work i'm assuming then that uh you know doing what you said previously and about sort of making sure that you're really efficient from a personal income perspective just means that you've got more more cash that you can potentially invest personally into these type of things but also this highlights to me um i was saying this to somebody recently and and again i apologize because i do this fairly frequently where i will just text amy <laughs> a tax question and i don't think i've ever in the god knows how many years we've now known each other where uh, had an experience where you've not not only replied to me with the with the answer that i need but done it like so quick like it just, I'll text, I'll text you, and then like ten seconds later, you'll be like, "Yeah, do this." I'm like, "How do you just have all this knowledge, like just trapped in your in your yes. head?" It's the uh, compound effect of many years of uh, being in accounts and tax, and you know, a lot of hard work has gone into the knowledge that I've got, and the people that have given me this knowledge, you know, are. I wasn't just born with it. I've had to learn it and I have to keep learning. And obviously I'm, my firm is a chartered accountancy firm. So there are CPD regs that I have to abide by, which means I have to stay up to date with tax laws constantly. And that's in, that's increased even more now. So that's why you get quick responses because I am on it when it comes to staying updated um, yeah. on the tax side, which obviously you would love to hear coming from me as a tax advisor. But I Absolutely. do genuinely love it as well. Like I actually just love helping my friends, helping clients, helping anyone that I can just be better. Because, you know, if you think about, I've built this business from nothing. And let's go back even like five years ago, I was employed in this employee mindset. And I know we're probably going off on a tangent now, but, um, I, you know, I just... I didn't think much further than where I was at the time. I had mini, she was a baby, I was on my own. It was just go to work, get paid, pay for my car on finance and crack on with, with my life and everything's fine because the mortgage is paid, etc. Whereas I think when you have your own business and you start realising what is actually possible, then, you know, loads of opportunities open up for you. Um, and as a result, you know, with success, you will have new problems. So when you get more successful, you still have problems. Those problems don't go away. And it ju just happens to be that some of those problems potentially will be tax issues that you have to address. But 
you know, it is possible for, for anyone who's starting out in property to be successful and they are going to have a higher chance of being successful if they have the right training and they have the right structure. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that you did go off on that little mini tangent because, you know, you and I talk a lot about our businesses, as I said before, earlier on, and I, I, I do genuinely believe that a lot of people do feel a bit trapped at the moment, particularly with the economic um, you know, situation as it is, people seeing the price of goods go up, people seeing, you know, maybe their wages not going up by as much. They're, you know, they're seeing a less less of a surplus income than they would have done a couple of years back. And people are kind of going, Well, I'm trapped. What what can I do? And I had this conversation with my other half fairly recently. She's um, you know, she's got her own home, she's an accidental landlord, if you like, if you want to call it that, where you know, she, her old home that she used to live in, um, she rents out, but it's in her personal name. You know, she's just had to do her tax return. When you were saying that earlier on, this was like, she just right in my head. And she got a nasty shock. And she's, you know, she's now looking at life and going, like, why, why am I, why am I being hit so hard? You know, I, she works incredibly hard. She gets, you know, she gets paid very well. But, you know, at the end of every month, she's just like everyone else and goes, Jesus, where did all that money go? Um, and I actually bought her, um, a copy of rich dad poor dad and i said look <laughs> happy valentine's day happy Val- yeah happy <laughs> it's better than a saucepan um and and i and i said that's what my that's what my dad got my mum for valentine's day one year a saucepan oh, God. <laughs> um but um, she did ask for it to be fair but anyway and um and i just said to her i said look i genuinely i i think that when it comes to being successful i think that mindset and i think thinking about things in a different way is mm. the key is the key to it if you continue with that employee mindset in a biz in a in business in a in a business environment you you well i'm not saying you're guaranteed to fail but you're highly less likely to succeed because you do have to have that longer term you know the, the, the delayed gratification but i think you've just got to see money in a different way see how the system of money the currency you know the, the term currency comes from current as in the flow understanding yeah. how how that all actually works um and that's why i bought her that book because i think it's probably one of the you know ways that did you i didn't realize this until recently it's in it's in the top three books ever um in terms of uh, how many has been bought like bestsellers top three books in, in america ever in terms of bestsellers really? didn't know that yeah apparently the joy of sex is number one um <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what the other i can't remember what the other one was um but yeah and, and i just think that it if if anyone that's watching this is interested in in this kind of thing in actually running a business because i think if you're going to go into property i think the ones that really succeed and i'm sure you'll see exactly the same thing with your clients because ours you know very very similar um the ones that succeed are the one that ones that treat it like a business they get the right advice from their tax advisor to make sure everything is structured correctly they will work with advisors that are the best at what they do in any given thing, best solicitors, best mortgage brokers, best, you know, whatever it might be. Um, And being the, you know, the conductor of the orchestra and making sure that the person that is the best at playing the trumpet plays the trumpet, et cetera, and and just letting them all work together. I think that is the, the best advice I could ever give anyone that wants to be successful in property is to, is to think like a business owner, understand, exactly what you've just said the bigger picture and yeah. not just get bogged down in some of the nitty gritty stuff like paying tax bills for x y and z you know maybe moving your 
personally owned properties from there to a limited company might cost you some stamp duty in the short term. Maybe that's the best way of doing it is just to make the sale and purchase transaction done straight away. And but, you know, it's about looking long term. It's about understanding that this is going to have a real long term benefit for you uh, that might just incur a short term discomfort, if you like. But property is a long game. Business is a long game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And property plus business, uh, you know, that's my formula and I'm going to stick to it. It's what's working for me so far. But absolutely, you know, get the right people on board. Create your power team. I'm sure plenty of people who are listening to this will have heard that term. But, you know, having a good accountant or having a good tax advisor on your power team it literally saves you thousands of pounds because you don't know what you don't know. So let's say, for example, if your accountant was a generalist, so let's say, you know, a typical chartered accountancy firm probably been going for years and years and years and they don't specialise in property, the chances are they don't know everything about property. So when you're talking to them about deals, if you if you even do that, because a lot of people don't speak to their accountant when they're doing deals, which, you know, I'm trying to get people to be better. Um, yeah, let's say you talk to them about a deal you've got going on. They might not have that knowledge. So that knowledge gap is then costing you more um, in the long run. So, you know, and also going back to running it as a business, you know, from an accounting and tax perspective, bookkeeping, anything like that, make sure once you get to a certain level that you're outsourcing these types of things. So you're able to scale because what I see a lot of people do in the beginning, they'll come to me and say, we need tax advice. So I'll say, okay, that's fine. I can help you with this. We also do the accounting bookkeeping. I'll say present two packages to them. One will have bookkeeping. Obviously, that's slightly more because we're doing it all. And the one won't have bookkeeping. And and a lot of new property investors will be like, no, no, I'm going to do the bookkeeping myself. Going to do it. and then they start with it and realize as they start to grow, it's just too much and it gets out of the game. Yeah. So, you know, start with that intention of, yes, learn to understand your numbers, but you can't physically do everything. Like me, for example, as a business owner, a property investor, a mum, I cannot physically do everything. Like we all have 24 hours in a day. So you have to think about, Again, this comes back to the mindset thing. What can you invest in? What's going to give you leverage? So if I outsource my bookkeeping and my accounting, that's going to give me time back. Therefore, I can go and find better properties to invest in and make more money and create more wealth and, you know, do whatever you want to do, whether that's sending the children to private school or, you know, going on a world cruise, whatever it might be. So I think, yeah, I second that advice. You know, think of your property as a property business and again that's why the course that i'm creating so creating a course um how to structure your property business tax efficiently that's why it says property business because it uh, it is a business and you have to think of it like a business because if you don't then potentially you're you're missing out on on quite a few things so yeah. absolutely and um when do well i don't know I, I know we've discussed this when's the course going to be ready have you got a date that you're going to be launching it i have you clearly don't watch my instagram 
Uh, <laughs> I, as, you, as you feel, as you will, well, well, full well no, well full no, whichever. I've not been on Instagram for about a week and a half, so that's probably why. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so I'm launching it on the 1st of March, and this will literally cover off how to transfer properties tax-free, um, whether you should buy in your personal name or a limited company, how to save stamp duty, how to save VAT on refurbs and commercial conversions, and, of course, group structures what type of group structure is right for you if any um and there's lots of like resources and handouts and calculators to go alongside it as well because i really wanted it to be practical for people so you can attend that course you could do a couple of the exercises within that course and by the end of it you know actually i probably need this type of strategy um to this type of group structure and actually because i'm doing commercial conversion I'm going to do what Amy said, and I'm going to save £20,000 of VAT. So, yeah, I'm Absolutely. excited to launch it. Have you got a pre-launch link that you can share with us? I I have, because I'm very prepared. So I can well, send it in the chat well, what, on here. What, what, well, what I was going to say is, um, well, yeah, so if, you, if you send it in the chat, it will be here forever. So, But actually, I think what's probably best to do is – if you can you add it in a comment afterwards because i think otherwise it only shows up to the person watching it when they reach the per part where that comment was made but if you okay. do it afterwards it would just be like a, a just a, a a normal comment um so yeah if you could do that that'd be amazing i thought i mean look i've known amy for a long long time i tell everyone that she's the best um because she is and i think that that course would be really useful i think for people that are well, to be honest, it'll be useful for anyone that's in property, but particularly those that are maybe at the at quite at the beginning, because like you said, you've got to start as you mean to go on, haven't you, Amy? And, and I think that by doing that, it would, you know, it, as one of a number of things that you want to you want to learn, I think that tax and finance are the two things that when you go on these courses with Rob Moore and Samuel Leeds and all these people, they're probably the two things that are just not taught sufficiently, I believe. I think they do create one size fits all scenarios with both of those things so i think if you're going to those types of courses you're, you're you know you're, you're taking that kind of education one thing that you're not going to get from that is the kind of level of knowledge you need on the tax side of things which i think this course with amy will, will plug that gap very 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 nicely so yeah if you wouldn't mind and obviously when you do um uh launch it amy again if you could maybe post into our group as well yeah um, sure when it when it does go live to remind everyone that would be great and um, we'll probably we'll probably post a, a link around to everyone on the email li uh, list as well when that comes up because for me it's it's got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you know I want to help a mate out or anything like that it's that if my clients listen or watch uh, or take the um that course they will just be better property investors and that's what I want so yeah. that's that I, it's pure, I'm I'm sharing it purely for selfish reasons Amy so um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome um well look um if anyone's uh watching this live if they're listening back on the podcast if they're watching it um after it's it's come along and they're thinking god how how have i not come across this person before i need to desperately um organize a call with amy you do do consultations um don't you i mean you're very in demand so these are paid consultations but um it would be really awesome as well, I think, if you could share a link for people to actually book in a time to speak to you as well, Amy. Um, yeah. That would be really, really good because I'm sure we've only really 
um, touched the tip of the iceberg, haven't we, in this conversation of all the things that can be done to structure things more and more tax efficiently. But as you've said on a number of occasions, and I've mirrored it, it is so bespoke. People do need to take what they might have learned from this call, and now they need to actually chat with you directly to see which of these can be of benefit to them, don't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it is bespoke for a reason because everyone has different goals, different circumstances, etc. So, um, yeah, I have a tax consultation link. You can either do that for one hour or if it's a bigger project, i.e. you know that you need a group structure, that will be a piece of written tax advice and there will be a separate link for that. But, yeah, I will pop those in the comments for you. Amazing. Well, Amy, I'm going to let you go off and do whatever you need to do tonight. I really appreciate you coming and sharing so much knowledge with us. I'm sure we'll have to do it again um, at some point in the future. Maybe we can do something um, on Instagram Live to to coincide with the launch of your of the course. I think that'd be really useful. Um, but yeah, have a have a lovely evening, Bab. And uh, cheers, I'll Bab. See, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favour to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.